What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? Man, it is so good to see you, and I want to take a minute, I want to welcome everybody who is watching online, and of course, everybody who's over at the South Side, South Campus, everybody who's over at the North Campus, everybody everywhere, whether, however you're watching this, maybe you're watching this while you're working out, maybe you're watching this on your way to work or on a bike ride, however you're watching this, we love you, and the best way that we can tell you that we love you is by clapping for you, so let's do that, everybody. Let's put our hands together, and let's just say welcome, and we love you. And however you're watching this, if you're here in the room, if you're online, why don't you take a minute and just, just turn to the person next to you and say, man, you really look good to, today. You look good today. You looking, you looking good. It's a new year. It's a new year, and that's why we're in a new series that we have called Reset. And uh, sometimes things can only be fixed with a hard reset. And so several months ago, we were thinking, what are people going to be looking forward to at the end of 2020? Well, first of all, they're going to be looking forward to the end of 2020. Uh, you can't wait for that year to be done. But they're going to be looking forward to a fresh start, right? Like, I can't wait. Let's just reset. Let's redo. Let's refresh. Let's, let's get this thing started all over. We're just like almost like just punt and, and like just start fresh and anew and everything's going to be different, and everything's going to be better, 2021. All of our problems are going to go away. January 1st, the clock struck midnight, and, and everything changed magically. How many know it didn't change magically? <laughs> How many know we still have a lot of the same problems that we had in 2020, in 2021? And we knew that as we were planning this series because... Because really, the only way that we're going to have a real reset is when we get a reset of the heart. And that's what we want to do in this series. We want to reset our heart. And real reset happens when we center our hearts on Christ. That's the big idea for this series. If you're taking notes, write that down. Real reset happens when we center our hearts on Christ. And so what we've done, we started last week, is we're in a, a campaign, a spiritual growth campaign that we've called Reset. And I want, I want this year, and I'm sure you do as well, I want this year to be the best year of my life. I really do, in Jesus' name. I really believe that it can be. I believe that God wants it to be. But I believe it won't be unless we do the most important thing, and that's recenter our hearts on Christ. That's taking a real reset. Uh, and so that's what we're doing. We're in the middle of a, a reset campaign. It's a spiritual growth campaign. And I want to encourage you to jump in and join us with this. We're asking you to do four things over the next several weeks. The first thing is we want you to fast. Uh, we want you to, second, we want you to pray. Third, we want you to read. And then we want you to attend. Okay, so let me break those things down. We're, we're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer. Some of you are like, oh, man, I missed it. I'm already in it a week. No worries. Do 14 days of fasting and prayer. All right, jump in with us and experience the difference that will happen in your life when you give up some things that you love for some things that you love mo. And that was more, mo. Uh, um. So basically, it's about stepping back and making room for God. And, and so our family is doing this. We're fasting TV. And uh, man, I can just tell you one weekend, what a difference. I'm, I promise you, like, I'm thinking better. I'm less stressed. I'm less worried. I'm less anxious. My kids are listening better. Come on, somebody. 
They're going to bed early. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's revival, okay? So uh, I just want to encourage you, though, like seriously, like take some time. Ask what you could give up so that you can grow close to God. And then we're reading. So we have uh, devotionals on our app uh, that, we, that we're going through. I want to encourage you to, to, to get a part of that. We're praying together every, every day at noon. We're getting together and, and praying online on YouTube. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that with us. And then, and then we're attending. We're attending each service. We're engaging with the content every single week because the stuff that we're talking about will literally affect the most important part of you, and that is your heart. And I promise you this. You do those four things. You read. You pray. You attend. You fast. Thank you. Uh, you fast. You do those four things. And I promise you this. No matter what 2021 brings, you're going to approach it differently because your heart is in the right place. And if you believe it, say, I do. All right. Well, um, we started our, our content last week. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go online. We talked about David and how David had a heart after God. Literally, God is picking a king and he says, I'm looking for somebody who has a heart after me, a man after my own heart. My own heart. And he picks David, who's this boy. He's a shepherd. But he loves God so much, and God says, that's the one I can do something with. And so we, we laid that as the foundation for our series. We said, that's what we want to have this year. We want to have a heart after God. We want to have a heart that loves God, that desires God, that pushes through and, and believes God for great things. And what we talked about is how David had the ability to do what God told him to do, and he had the ability to also apologize when he didn't do what God had asked him to do. And all of that came from his relationship with God, spending time with God. So that was the big takeaway, right? Last week we talked about, hey, go spend some time with God. We all left, oh man, yeah, let's do this. We're crying during the last worship song. We're all geared up. Let's run after this. We're gonna spend time with God. But then maybe we got to Monday. We got to the beginning of your week. Like, all right, I'm gonna spend time with God. And then maybe for some of you and some of us, we're like, how do I spend time with God? <laughs> Like, what does that actually look like? What do I actually do when I spend time with God? Maybe you got to your prayer time, you open up your Bible, and you, you're like, all right, now what? What I want to do over the next couple of weeks, I want to give you practical tools. I want to give you the practical steps to actually experience the most authentic and dynamic relationship with God that you possibly can and a relationship that God has for you. And so I want to, I want to start by doing, um, uh, just talking over the next couple of weeks about the, really the two main ways that we spend time with God. And it's, it's prayer and it's reading the Bible, all right? It's prayer and reading the Bible. Now, which one is more important? It's like, it's really tough to choose, right? I mean, you can't have one without the other. I mean, it's like having peanut butter without jelly. I mean, you just, you gotta, you can't, it's like having salsa without chips. I mean, it's like having winter without Christmas. It's like having Andy Reid without Patrick Mahomes. I mean, come on, you, some things, some things are just better to get. But I had to pick one. And sometimes you have to pick one in life. You are presented with difficult situations and decisions where you have to pick one. And so I like doing this sometimes. I actually like playing this game like, you know, would you rather? Like you have to, you know, would you rather do this or would you rather do that? Um, um, or like if you were stuck on an island, a deserted island, you ever play that game? And you could only take one thing with you? Like what would you take? Uh, Jen and I actually did this 
uh, it was after our first date. I remember it was after our first date. And, and I, I texted her. I was just, you know, trying to keep the conversation going. You know, you sent out that little text after the first date just to see, you know, how quickly they reply. So I was like, hey, you know, if you were on a deserted island, you know, and, uh, and you could only have one album, you know, and it couldn't be worship because, of course, she's going to say worship, you know, it's a Christian thing, you know. But I was like, if you could only have one album, you know, what would you say? And, of course, I'm thinking, I'm thinking there is only one album that you would have. And that, of course, is Thriller by Michael Jackson, all right? I mean, there's just, I mean, Beat It, Billie Jean, Human Nature, PYT. We're talking hit after hit. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like good music, like Michael Jackson. She responds, I'm waiting, you know, dot, dot, dot. She responds with Ace of Bass. And I literally was like, I don't think this is gonna work. I don't, I don't think this is gonna work. This, but God, you can do anything. So Lord, maybe, just maybe, <laughs> you can do this. All right, so if you had to choose one thing, Bible or prayer, good thing we don't have to choose, but I would say, if you could only choose one thing to focus on, it would be reading your Bible. It would be reading your Bible. And, and the reason is, is because the Bible resets our spiritual life faster, more thoroughly, more consistently, and more objectively than anything else. And, and the reason that's true is because it has everything to do with what shapes our hearts. See, our hearts are constantly being shaped by outside voices, by inside voices. The reality is what we hear, what we listen to, what we think we become. Proverbs chapter 4, uh, write this down, says this, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. So be careful what you think about. Be careful what you give your thoughts to because your life will literally be shaped by your thoughts. And let me just like extrapolate that idea uh, for a little bit. What we think about, we think about more. Isn't that true? And what we think about more shapes our lives. That's what the, that scripture is saying. Now, the NFL playoffs are this weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs are in the playoffs. And, and most probably going to win this weekend. Most probably, I mean, here, this, is, this isn't even just pie in the sky. For years, we had to speak this in faith. We don't have to speak this in faith. This is just true. They probably are going to make it back to the Super Bowl. I mean, can you imagine that? Two Super Bowls in two years? Three AFC championship appearances in three years? Like, that is absolutely amazing. And I love Kansas City because Kansas City is full of sports fans. Kansas City people love their sports. And they love, they love talking about their sports. They love watching their sports. And as a sports fanatic, I understand. I understand. I like listening to sports. I like watching sports. I like listening to shows where guys talk about the sports that they've watched. I like all of it. And here's the reality. If you think about sports all the time, you're going to think about sports more. 
So like if you, if you get up in, in the morning, you turn on ESPN, you get in your car, you drive to work, you're listening to sports radio. If you watch SportsCenter before you go to bed, you watch every game that you can. How many of you know the thing that is going to be on your mind is sports? It's sports. It's, it's because what we feed our mind will grow. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. <laughs> what we feed our mind will grow. I mean, if you, if you are uh, watching sports and you're interacting with sports, you're listening to sports, then what are you going to talk about when you get around your friends? Sports. What are you going to be thinking about before you go to bed? What are you going to be wanting more of? Sports. What we feed our mind will grow. Now, I don't know this from personal experience, but let's say you have a spouse who really likes home decor. <laughs> hypothetically. And she's constantly looking online at home decor. And she's scrolling through the gram looking at people's home decor. What is she going to want to talk about? What is she going to be buying? <laughs> Home decor. What we feed grows. It's this way with everything. Your hobbies, your kids, your vacation, fashion. And it's definitely true spiritually. And it has everything to do with what we center our thoughts on. And that's why Proverbs chapter 4 says, be careful what you think about. And I want to show you what the Apostle Paul talks about, uh, how he frames up this whole conversation in Romans chapter 12. He says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He's saying what we think about, what we do, what we give our time to can literally be worship to God. So that's kind of a good thing. Everything you and I do can be worship to God. Everything we give. So even, even our activities, even our hobbies can be worshiped to God. I love how the, the message says this. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a translation, but it's a paraphrase. But it says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. It says, I want you to, to do everything that you do and give it to God and worship God with it. And the beauty, the beauty of life is that we can actually do that. You and I can give every aspect of our life back to God and say, God, I'm going to worship you with this. I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. That gives us a lot of purpose, doesn't it? Like that gives us a lot of like confidence, a lot of assurance that we can actually do something meaningful with our lives. Every aspect of our lives. But the enemy of our souls knows this, and he wants to mess this up. He wants to warp our worship. And so he's going to constantly be working at getting in there and messing with the things that we're giving our attention to and misappropriately uh, giving them our worship and our thoughts so that we take our mind off of God and miss the opportunity to worship God with our lives. And the way he's going to do it is going to plant a thought. He's going he's gonna to come with a thought that will get us off track. See, the enemy knows our lives. He's not typically, he's not going to bring this giant temptation out of nowhere into your life. It, he's, he's not going to do that because he knows you're going to be like, no, 
I'm walking away from that. He's going to start with a thought. He's going to apply a little bit of inception, right? The, remember in the movie Inception? It's like a dream within a dream within a dream. That's how the enemy works. He's going to plant that deep-seated thought because he knows if he can change the what you think, then he will change how you live, which will change who you are. And so this is what he wants to do. And he's going to plant ideas like, you're not worthy. Or ideas like, you've gone too far. Ideas like, God doesn't really care about you. Your best days are behind you. God is too busy for you. You can't get any better than this. That compromise is worth it. He'll plant little thoughts, little seeds, little temptations like that because he knows if he can change what you think, he will change what you become. And he wants to chip away. See, he wants to chip away at your purpose. He wants to chip away at that worship that God wants you to do. And if he does that, he wins. And can I just tell you, that's what our world is constantly trying to do to us. I mean, you don't have to be like, really even pay that much attention to see it. The world is constantly trying to get us off track. God wants us to take every aspect of our life to worship God with it. And the world and the enemy is constantly trying to get us off track. So what do we do? This is what the Apostle Paul says right after that verse I just read. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. See, this world is taking us away from God. He says, do not conform, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, be changed, be different, be transformed. How? By changing how you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know that God wants to strengthen you? God wants you to be strong. God wants you to be a test, to be able to attest to his perfect will. God wants you to find his will for your life and experience the blessing that comes from it. He 100% does. How do we do that? By being transformed. How do we do that? By reading the word of God. We're transformed. We think different when we allow God's word to change us. We'll become rooted and not rotted. We'll become strong and full of substance. We'll be transformed and not conformed. And it happens through the word of God. Now, let me just tell you this. King David, the man after God's own heart, he understood this. He understood this. And, and that's why in Psalm 19, he writes this about the Bible. And, and it's, it's a beautiful, just a, a few verses about the Bible. And he says this. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Do you know that when you read the Bible, like there's a refreshing that happens in your heart? It's like God just like washes over you. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. Who could use a little wisdom this year? The Bible will help you be wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Who could use some joy? The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Who could use a little bit of brightness in their life? Who could use a little wisdom and clarity and direction in their life? He says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. It says, every aspect of the word of God is good for me. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. You know what he says? He's doing two things. He's saying, what are the things you pursue more than anything else? 
money and food. And he's saying, you know what? God's word is more valuable than those. And he says, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. He says, if you want to live a life that is rich, that is full, that is abundant, you are going to find it in the word of God. And let me just tell you, this may be the coolest part. Do you know what happens when we read the Bible? We get God. We get the, the creator of all things, the one who made us in his image, speaking to our hearts bringing direction and clarity and life and joy and peace and grace. Man, when you get the Bible, it changes you. It transforms you. But let's be honest. Let's just have a, a vulnerable, honest moment in church. Have you ever had a hard time reading the Bible? <laughs> have you ever come to the part of the Bible where you're like, not really sure what that means? If you ever got to the part of the Bible, you're like, this is really boring. I mean, you know, it's like, just be honest, right? Like, and I have no idea what this means. I have no idea why this is valuable. I'm just going to take my medicine and hopefully <laughs> move on with the rest of my day. Have you been there? <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to talk to you about how to read the Bible and actually get something out of it every time you read it every time you read it. So I'm going to be a little bit more teachy than preachy. I'm going to be a little bit more instructional than inspirational. But I think that what we talk about today is literally going to make the biggest impact in our life as we, as we live this out. So I want to talk to you about how to read the Bible, how to understand it, so that it literally changes your life each and every day. All right, Let me, I want to give you four steps to practice and four questions to ask. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write these down, and I'm going to stare at you until you write these down. Just kidding. But uh, I want to get four steps to practice and four questions to ask, okay? They go like this. First of all, remember the big picture. Remember the big picture and ask yourself this question, what is this about? And, and, and the reason I want you to write these, 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 uh, these practices down and these questions down is because if you actually have this in front of you when you go to read the Bible this week, it will change the way that you read the Bible and you'll get more out of it. So, all right, remember the big picture. What is this about? And I'll explain that here in a second. Second, you wanna find the context. What does this mean? Third, you wanna understand the implications. What does this mean for me? And then fourth, you wanna apply it to your life. You wanna ask, what do I do with this? Four steps to practice and four questions to ask. And uh, we're going we're gonna to break these down. We're going to walk away better. We're actually going to understand the Bible. We're going to apply it to our life. And we're going to experience all that God has for us. And if that sounds like a good idea, say it does. All right, we're going to jump in. Before we do, turn to three people and say, man, the Word of God is good stuff, and you need it. <laughs> Tell three people the Word of God is good stuff, and you need it. Okay. First thing is this. Remember the big picture. What is this about? Ask yourself, what is this about? And every time you approach the Bible, you kind of want to do a Google map. How many of you remember, how many of you were alive when Google Maps came out? Yeah, anybody remember that? Like, some of the young people are like, what? There was a world before Google Maps? Yes, there were paper maps. 
paper maps. Or no, there was MapQuest too. Anybody remember MapQuest? That's a little bit more recent. You'd print off your directions when you were going on a trip. <laughs> you actually had to think about where you were going, plan it out. There was, there was a world before Google Maps, but Google Maps changed the game. And it was so much fun. One of the things I loved doing when Google Maps first came out was like zooming, zooming out and then zooming in and looking at your house. Did you ever do, you ever do that? Like, oh, that's my dog. What? It was so cool and a little creepy. Let's just be honest. You're like, it was like total privacy invasion. Um, but, but what you would do with Google Maps was really cool. It was like a globe in your hand. It was like a globe in your hand. Like you could, like you could look at the whole world and then you could zoom in and then you could zoom out. When you read the Bible, you need to zoom out at the beginning. You need to zoom out and you need to ask, what is the big picture? What is this all about? And so what I want to do is I want to give you the point. I want to, I want to give you the point of the Bible for a few moments. I want you to know what this whole thing is about. Let me break down what the Bible is first. First of all, the Bible is 66 different books, all right? It's written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. You've got different topics, different eras, different characters, and it's broken up into two sections, the Old and New Testament. There's history, there's poetry, there's wisdom, there's prophecy, and there's doctrine. There's all of these different things, but there's one main theme. There's one big idea. It's that God loves people and wants relationship with them. Every time you read the Bible, that's the big idea. God loves me. He wants a relationship with me. And this is written to communicate that to me. Everything in the Bible is written for that. You can see it from the very beginning. In the beginning, it was, there was nothing. It was just God. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, just chilling in eternity. And they didn't need us. They didn't need us. They're good. But you know what? He chose. He chose to make us because he loves us. He didn't need us, but he chose to make us because he loves us. He is entirely good, and out of his goodness, he wanted us to experience his goodness. So he makes us, he pursues us, and he wants us to pursue him. This is the story of the Bible. And in the beginning, when you get to the beginning, it starts off really great for like a whole chapter. It's awesome. I mean, God, man, woman, I mean, it is awesome. And then sin messes the whole thing up, as it always does. It always brings chaos, and it always brings things sideways. It always jacks everything up, and mankind turns away from God. Mankind turns away from God. But right from the very beginning, God's like, hey, I am going to make this right. And in Genesis 3, there's a little indication where there's this promise that God is making to the serpent, the enemy who caused all of this. He says, I'm going to make this right. And he says, I will, in Genesis 3, 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So there's this idea of a wounded victor, someone who, who stomps on the head of the devil, but who gets bit in the process. The whole Bible is based on this idea that there will be a Messiah that comes. And so then you have the Old Testament. The Old Testament is all about the struggle of humanity, 
us trying to figure ourselves out without this Savior. And it's frustrating. The struggle is real. When you read the Old Testament, you're just like, oh my goodness, what a mess. People would turn to God, and then it would go well for them, and then they'd get distracted by other gods, by other things. They'd turn away from them. It'd go bad for them. Then they'd turn back to God. It was a, it was a constant repeat of a mess happening over and over and over again. All of that Old Testament is meant to show us that we can't do this on our own and we need a savior. Literally, the whole Old Testament is, is about showing us that when we go away from God, it goes bad for us. When we turn back to God, it goes well for us. And there's about a million different stories in the Old Testament that illustrate that. And so that's the big idea. It's God constantly drawing us. When we turn our back on him, which we do all the time, we choose other gods all the time, and God is gracious, and God is patient, and God is pursuing us. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament shows us a bunch of people, a bunch of characters, people like Abraham, people, people like Moses, people like David, who are, who are heroes of the faith. We talked about those in our Greater Faith series. And, and they show us like what it's like to live for God they're heroes, but they're not quite the hero. They're, they're, they're types of Christ, but they're not Christ. They're examples of what Jesus will look like, but man, are they messed up, right? We talked about that. They're far from perfect. You know what all of the Old Testament is meant to do? It's kind of whet our appetite for the entree. It's meant to say, you know what, man, if you think this is, this is good, you ain't seen nothing yet. And also to show us that no matter how good man is, man ultimately is just that man until the man shows up who is also God. That's the New Testament. And his name is Jesus. And man, is he different. He's different. He's selfless, he's gracious, he's compassionate. He's, he's concerned about others. He's dedicated. He's devoted. He's constantly in communion. He's constantly praying. And here's the best thing of all. He never messes up. He never makes one mistake in his whole life. And so these disciples who get a chance to get the up-close and personal view, some of his family who gets the up-close and personal view who would become his disciples, everybody's like, man, this guy is different. Could he be the one who was prophesied at the beginning? And the answer is yes, he is. Jesus is what the whole Bible is about. Jesus coming, living a perfect life, dying a death he didn't deserve, and then overcoming death, hell, and the grave to empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we could live out the life, finally, that God designed us for. That's the point of the Bible. Mankind turning away from God, God pursuing us with all of his heart for years and years and years and ultimately providing a way that we can experience all that he is. That's the big idea. So every time you sit down and you open up the Bible, remind yourself of this. This is God's love letter to me. This is God trying to get a hold of me. This is God showing me over and over and over and over again through all these crazy stories in the Old Testament, through all of this writing in the New Testament, that God loves people enough to die for them. That's the point of the Bible. 
That's the big picture. So once you start zoomed out, then you can zoom in a little bit. But don't go all the way to street view yet. Kind of hover over your house, like the neighborhood view, all right? So that's, that's going to be find the context. Find the context and ask yourself this question, what does this mean? What does this mean? And when you, when you look at what it means, you want, to, you, want to look at a, you want to look at the context. You want to look at the author. You want to look at the period. You want to look at what was happening in that moment. Who wrote it? Who they wrote it to? When they wrote it? Context is king. It's a big idea. It's a really big deal. And it gives so much meaning to what's actually happening. For example, like if you said the phrase, I can't believe you just did that. Like that can have a lot of meanings, right? Like if you dunked a basketball, like it would mean one thing. But if I came up, you know, if you came up and slapped me in the face, it would mean something different. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. You got to understand the context. You got to understand what's happening. You got to understand the tone. You got to understand the surroundings. You got to understand what just happened before, what just happened after. All of that is important. For example, Moses, when you read in the Bible, when he says to Pharaoh, let my people go, it's like, okay, it means something. But when you read the context and you understand the background, and you understand that, that uh, Moses had grown up with Pharaoh, he understood the language, understood the customs, understood the implications of what he was doing. Moses was actually not the accident he was the intention, he was very in, intentionally chosen by God to be the messenger for God. And all of a sudden it brings like, God, you really know what you're doing. Like literally you walk away and you're like, why, you put on that thing? Wow, you're pretty smart. And you're like, yes, he is. You understand the context and it adds meaning. Or when Jesus speaks to Peter about becoming a fisher of men, it's not just like, hey, just be a fisher of men. He's talking to somebody whose livelihood is catching fish. That's all he does. So when Jesus asks him to be a fisher of men, he's more than giving him a job. He's redefining his identity. So the context really, really matters. And so what you want to do in, in terms of how to understand the Bible is you want to get a good study Bible. You want to get a good study Bible, and you can get this digitally, or you can get this in the old-fashioned paperback version. And I have uh, one of my study Bibles here. It's the ESV version, and um, I'll just show you the front here. It's the ESV study Bible, and you can get the ESV, you can get the NIV, you can get the NLT. All of those are great translations, and they're really, really meaningful, but I would encourage everybody to have a study Bible of some kind because what you can do before you read your passage is you can go to the beginning of it, and you can read the introduction. So before the Bible even starts, on these, on these pages, they have, they have an introduction where they explain the context, and they give you key themes and, and all of that. And then once you get into the passage, they have commentaries at the bottom. They have maps. They explain what's actually being talked about in the passage, and it brings context. So it helps you understand what's actually happening, because this happened 2,000-plus years ago. And there's no way that you would understand all the language or all the customs, but when you read and you study and you get into it, you can actually understand it, and all of a sudden, things are going to start happening. You're going to start having some ah, some aha moments. You're going to go to the third thing, which if you're taking notes is this, understand the implications. What does this mean for me? You're going to understand the implications. What does this mean for me? Now you're zooming into street view. So you've been hovering. You've been seeing the connections. 
Now you're getting into street view. You're saying, what does this mean for me? And, and what you want to have every time you read the Bible is this aha moment where you're like, oh, this is what is speaking to me. And if you, read, if you read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, a Psalm or a Proverb, which is the Bible reading plan that I do, I do the one-year Bible reading plan. It's, it's the whole Bible in a year. Gives you an Old Testament, gives you a New Testament, gives you a Psalm, gives you a Proverb every day. There's almost always something that just pops out. At least one thing, like without trying that hard, that pops out. Sometimes if I get through it and I'm like tired or, you know, I'm just... I, I just didn't, I'll go back and I'll read it again. Okay, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get something from this. And I'm gonna understand the implications. What does this mean to me? The Bible is written for you. It may be addressed to the church at Philippi, but now Paul's epistle is written to you. And, and he wants you to experience joy in Philippians. Um, it may have been the Israelites that God was leading in the Old Testament, but now, God wants to lead you. It might have been a prayer written by an apostle 2,000 years ago, but now that prayer is yours, and it's yours to pray, and it's yours to connect with God with. Every promise in the Bible is yours for the taking. So that means that everything you read in the Old Testament for God's people, you can read for yourself. So when the prophet tells the people of Israel that the battle is the Lord's, you can apply that and you can say, God, I'm not going to fight this on my own. I'm fighting it with the strength you give. When God says he knows the people of Israel and he knows that he has a plan for them and it's a plan to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them the hope in the future, you know who he's talking about now? He's talking about you. And when God says that he wants to set the people free from bondage, do you know who he's talking to now? He's talking to you. Everything that's in the Bible now is not history. It's very relevant for you. And you can say, what does this mean for me? Every time you read the Bible, ask yourself, what does this mean for me? And then once you do that, it's the last thing. And this is where it gets real. You apply it to your life. You say, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Don't leave your Bible reading time without asking yourself, what am I going to do about this? Because God, here, I'm going to just tell you this. If you give God a little bit of time in his word, he's going to speak something to your heart. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah. And, it's gonna be, and then you might, you might have a, oh, wow. And then you might have a, oh, whoa. Because you might have to do something about what God spoke to you. He might be like, you know that person that you were really unkind to? You need to go apologize. You know that attitude that you had? You know how you, you, you towed off your coworker yesterday? You, you, you need to go get that right. Or you know how you're, you're, you're cheating a little bit at your job? You need, you need to stop doing that. God will speak not to hurt you, but to help you. He wants to heal you, and he will do it through the word of God. And when we apply God's word... That's when we make the progress. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about two houses, one built on sand and the other built on the rock. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He says, therefore, everyone who hears this and actually puts it into practice. So it's not enough just to open up your Bible. It's not enough even just to come to church. You know where the power is? In the application. The blessing starts in the believing but it gets realized in the doing. We have to ask ourselves, how much of the word of God are we living out? I want to encourage you. God wants to bless you this year. He wants to pour out his favor. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you leadership. He wants to give you clarity. He wants to bring your relationships together. He wants to speak to you. The creator of everything. He wants to speak to you, and it's going to happen when you open up that Bible and you just start asking yourself those questions. What is this about? What does this mean? What does this mean to me? Now, what am I going to do with this? And when you ask yourself that question and you answer it, that's when you start making progress. Like, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Ask yourself that question, then write, write it down. Write down what you're going to do with it. I'm, I, every time I open the Bible, I've got my journal next to me, and I'm writing it down. Okay, what am I going to do with this? Sometimes I need to make an appointment with somebody. That's my takeaway. Sometimes it's a to-do list. I, I, you know, I'll be, it's amazing how many times I'll be reading the Bible, and God will give me a to-do item that has nothing to do with what I'm reading. It's unbelievable. Why? Because God wants to help me. The Spirit of God wants to help me. He wants to lead me. And when I open up his word, it may not even have anything to do with what I'm reading, but he'll just speak through it. I don't understand that, but it is powerful. I, all I know is this. 2021, I want more wisdom. I want more joy. I want more peace. I want less anxiety. I want more certainty. I want more grace. And I know this. I'm not going to find it in the world. Probably not going to find it on the news. No, I'm not going to find it on the news. And yet, you know, what's interesting. We crave those things, don't we? Like we're almost like addicted to that. Do you see that? We're like addicted to fear. God wants to bring faith. He wants to bring clarity. He wants to bring grace. And it happens when we open up the word of God. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to take a moment and in God's presence say, God, we want to make your word the priority that it needs to be. Would you stand with me at both locations? Let's just take a moment and we're going to say, Lord, we want to make your word the priority that it needs to be. And as we do, I, I want to show you Joshua chapter 1, one last verse about the word of God. It says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then what will happen? You will be prosperous and successful. God, God wants to be good to you. He wants to be gracious to you. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to transform you from the inside out. And it's going to happen when we make God's word the priority that it needs to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's just pray a prayer together as a church. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the word of God. 
And we just ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to make your word the priority that it needs to be. This year, it's gonna be the best year we've ever had. It's gonna happen because, Lord, we prioritize you. We center our hearts on you. And that's gonna happen when we allow you to continue to speak to us over and over and over again. So God, we, we lift up your word. We lift it up. We exalt your word because your word is truth. Your word is a, is a light unto our path. It brings wholeness. It brings clarity. And God, we just pray that we would be people of your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's take a few moments. Let's worship.